fifth time is sixth time is the charm. <laughs> Probably won't be. <laughs> Probably won't camera. be. Life is suffering. <laughs> That's what the Buddhists tell us. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, anyway, I forgot. We should do a, uh, a clap to okay. uh, syn synchronize the... So I'm going to count down, and you just clap when I say one. No, okay. three, two, one, clap. Unclap. Okay. Right. Three, two, one, clap. I think I clapped a little early, but isn't it okay. for syncing like my own video to my own audio anyway? It can be easy. It, it's nice to do it so I can also... I Whatever, it doesn't matter. Okay. Um, yeah. Anyway, fifth fifth time, sixth time's a charm. How are you doing on this uh, lovely well, morning, morning in Dallas? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty good. Um, yeah, my name is Ben Hopkins. I am a game dev. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> this is the podcast series, 100 I love game it. devs. You're in the right place. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like uh, I have to, to intro the podcast if you're not going to. <laughs> oh, now, maybe okay. you're going to splice that in. I don't know. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, um, it's good to have your voice on my now podcast. Uh, yes, excellent. Well, hopefully we can replace my failed camera image with uh, my screen at, at some point, maybe. maybe yeah. That should be nice. We can uh, we can check. Oh, out I'm not even recording in OBS. Oh, I am recording. That's great. Um, <laughs> yeah, we we could check out this game that uh, you wanted to see. Anyway, yeah, and well, I was going to talk about your background though, and like, I don't know okay. your path, your game dev. Yeah, yeah, I could talk path. a little bit about that. Um, um, yeah, if you really want to I mean, start from the, the first thing I remember is yeah, <laughs> yeah. You have to go back in time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'd have to start from uh, like probably like middle school. Mystic I think Melee. I. Oh. Well, even even before that, I don't know. I don't know okay, how, okay. how no, long. No, no, tell of a me. No, I don't. Go on. Yeah, I do remember um, you were doing something in C plus plus, right, or something in in high school. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, tell me. I have bits and pieces <laughs> of it. Well, I probably actually started getting into games with uh, this software called. Well, it wasn't. There, there's a software called Click and Play. And I had like mm. this version of it, which is called Multimedia Fusion. Uh, it was kind of the sort of thing where you had like an Excel spreadsheet of how objects would interact with each other. So you'd have like a bullet column and a unit column or a unit uh, row. And like you click on the intersection of those to figure out what happens when those things collide. Um, mm. So it was really Collision like a kind matrix. of proto, proto visual cool. programming. I think, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I maybe maybe I shouldn't be calling it visual programming, but it was definitely programming without entering text into a notepad, <laughs> hmm. which I think was pretty advanced for I don't know what year that was, probably like two thousand three or something. Yeah, and you were like sure the... fourteen or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, which I don't think is very early to get started with programming. No, definitely not for kids these days. But maybe these in our days. days. Back in my day, no, just kidding. maybe back back in my only day, only a click probably... and play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's probably how I got started with games, and yeah, I did some gaming stuff. I mean, I just went to college for computer science, and I did uh, some independent study at college, where I worked on making a simple game or two. 
Um, so they just give you time, like it was like a class, but you could just do whatever you wanted, or how does that work? Yeah, essentially, there was a there was a professor that I guess liked me that was happy to endorse uh, an independent study where I made a a game for a semester. That's um, cool. Which is not really enough time to make a full game, right? But yeah, I mean, maybe it, hey, it, hey, it we can make it in two weeks now <laughs> or two days. <laughs> no, you're right. It was it was enough time to no, make no, the I, game. I know what you mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, on, on that level for sure. Um, but yeah, I think like my goal at that time was to make a game and release it on like the Le Xbox Live Arcade, um, mm. which was probably a little bit too difficult. Uh, me during that semester because i think that the games on xbox live arcade actually were pretty polished even though it was like kind of the first time or one of the first times indie games were becoming available on console um they were what pretty, was hard like, about it high was quality it like... like imagine like making braid or something um yeah it was like figuring out like the like the signing and the uh you know all the like Overhead with I think just like the level of polish you'd expect from I a see, see. game at that point, like you'd probably have your own artists and like you'd have like a team of people, um, I see. like professional artists and professional programmers, and that was just uh, learning. So they had in school. <laughs> they had like um, standard standards that they would enforce, or just you just didn't think it was worth trying. I just don't know if anyone could just throw their stuff up there. Yeah, I think that you had to be approved. But I'm not actually sure. I don't think I really got to that point. Mm. <laughs> so I wasn't like mm. failing to get my game on. Um, but yeah, so yeah. And then like, you know, I was working just normal software engineering stuff for a while. And then I made this 2D platformer game, which uh, I'm pretty happy about, but it's like, yeah, probably not going to finish it for various reasons that I'm not going to uh, get into. <laughs> but uh but it was it was a good learning experience. I, I coded it um, with C and this library right. SFML, which is very similar to SDL, if anyone's heard of that. So it's kind of like a fairly thin layer over OpenGL um, to assist with just two D sprite based graphics. Um, yeah. So I definitely developed some pixel art skills making that game and uh making games in the past and more recently i've moved on to unity and developed skills with uh blender um, which i think is pretty fun so i've kind of gotten into this kind of specific visual style where i like to make low poly models in blender and texture them with pixel art uh, hmm. which i think is yeah. becoming a little bit more popular these days so that's cool to see yeah, um, I think when you first showed me, I had never seen that before, and now there's now you're like seeing it in lots of games, bigger, yeah. bigger indie games that have it. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I want to go back I think to it the provides a crisp. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. The the pixel art um, was that like the aesthetic that you really were interested in at the time, or is that like something you just felt like you felt like was more achievable given your skills? For I definitely Miller? felt like it was achievable, but I also. Uh, I do like pixel art. I think it's good for certain kinds of games, specifically when you want uh, the interactions to be really discreet, I guess. 
um, like mm. if you want your hitboxes to match up really nicely, I mean, oftentimes you want your hitboxes to be smaller than the object anyway. So, or smaller or larger, depending on if it's like a player attack or the player itself. Um, like you want to be very generous towards uh, what the player is feeling like. You don't want them to feel like they're getting hit when they shouldn't be. But right. even if your hitboxes don't line up exactly with like the borders of your pixel art, I think that you can get the sense over after playing a game for a while of like where they are and it makes it feel very reproducible in a way that I always had more trouble with in a, like a platformer that has like a 3D character running around. Mm -hmm. um, like those always feel, I don't know if it's just because they're often programmed in a more floaty way, but to me they don't feel as good to play usually. Um, it just feels better when like the feet of your sprite guy are sprite guy or girl are just like flat on the ground. Um, yeah, like I mean it's literally perfect. Yeah, gonna be yeah, it's gonna be more discreet uh, with pixels. Yeah, and like distinct <clears> on which where you are and yeah, it makes sense. I, I imagine so I like that for platformers. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's kind of harder sometimes. <laughs> Okay. Because you, well, you have to worry about, like, potentially, like, the things lining up. Like, especially if your game is not, uh, it's, like, running on a resolution. You have to make the decision in a pixel art, in a modern pixel art game of, like, what resolution you're going to show the, the art at and what resolution you're actually going to run the game at. So, I see, I see. Like, Mystic Melee generally is scaled up, like, 3x. Um, if you're playing at like 1080p, uh, it's like actually running the game or like the, the pixel art's going to be like 640 by 360 or whatever. Um, are you but, saying there might yeah. be like times where the game registers a hit or something, but visually it looks like you didn't hit or like, uh, not really. It's like whether or not you want to have like the character be able to, um, show up in between the other pixels. Like, should the the pixels of the character not line up with like the pixels of the ground or the background? I see. I see. Because I see. the character is like in between. Because your actual physics yeah. engine is is probably running at a higher resolution. I mean, it's I running see, with I like see. with like float values anyway. So, um, yeah, Except it's whether you want uh, continuous movement or yeah, discrete movement or something like that. And that depends on your physics engine too. Like if you hmm. coded your own thing that works with integers or something um, right. for screen or like positions, then you, uh, <laughs> yeah, well you wouldn't have to deal with that or like, yeah, yeah. It, it all depends. But like I, so one of the things Mystic Melee did was use Box2D um, for physics, which was pretty cool for having like stuff bounce around the screen um, as a library or what is box 2d yeah it's it's a no it's a library um just a 2d physics library and a lot of games use it um especially like back before this sort of thing like i i think that unity might actually have box 2d as it's hmm. no probably not they probably just use like a 2d version of um physics for their 2D physics, but um, there was some game engine that like just integrated Box2D. It's like it was very common 
back in like the, I don't know, 2014, 2015. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so I don't know. That's kind of been my path. Yeah. <laughs> and these days I'm working <laughs> on these. Uh, I have a few projects in, in Unity, uh, but I've also made a bunch of Game Jam games, and I think we want right. to talk about one of those today. You were interested in hearing about one of those. I actually want to ask first about... I remember, yeah. I feel like there's been a number of, like, like fairly non-trivial development you've done in games that have never even made it into, like, itch, itch.io. Like, <laughs> like, there's, like, I remember there was one where, like, there's a robot and he's, like, flying forward. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Was that like, was one of my very first, like, can, experiments in Unity. Yeah. yeah. Like, whatever happened to that game? <laughs> uh, hmm. I mean, I just stopped working on it. Was that for a, a game I, jam? Or? It was originally for a okay. game jam. Yeah. Like, it was definitely one of the first things. Like, probably at that point, I was not, I didn't know enough of Unity to, like, make a game in a weekend in Unity, which I, see, I, see. <laughs> I think I was probably attempting in to do. In two weekends. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> so. Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, got so. It. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And there was yeah, also, the, like, an RTS game that... Yeah, really the cool RTS too. game was, like... That was, uh... The problem with that game was I, like, could not figure out exactly how the mechanics should work. So I kind of mm. kept on uh, iterating with different forms of, like... It, it was a kind of card game plus RTS game. Uh, and it wasn't really... It was never really meant to be an RTS, but it has, like... It had to have all the features of that's right units running around a map and like uh pathfinding real-time uh movement and target acquisition and all that kind of stuff um with yeah, like that's a right. the card RTS game stuff was uh was i think an earlier version of it maybe maybe you were tr maybe you were showing me like the terrain traversal or something and yeah definitely showed RTS, you that stuff like starcrafty and then at the end, yeah, it was yeah. more of like a, like a, a real-time... Well, the idea behind the game was that you had this deck of cards and playing the cards would drop units onto your board and you could have a card that tells all your units to start attacking or tell them all to start defending. And basically there's an analogous AI on the other side of this terrain that's sending units at you. Um, hmm. <clears throat> And so you're kind of playing Slay the Spire, that kind of roguelite card game, but you're throwing your cards at this at these units on a battlefield um, to tell them like how to move or give them buffs. Um, and telling them how to move was like very basic. You weren't like telling them to go from point A to point B. You were telling them to like back up or to mm -hmm. uh, go forward to attack the enemies. Um, could tell them to like focus fire on a target enemy so my goal with that was kind of to have all of the actions that the player took be through pulling cards onto the screen which was kind of uh i thought that was like an elegant way of doing it but yeah, yeah cool. i couldn't like it was very hard to balance i think like the the flow of combat because rts is so um like once you have one more unit than your enemy it just kind of snowballs from there <laughs> um, mm. so there are ways to fix that like 
usually through like defensive structures and bonuses. I see. I but see. um, but yeah, like interesting. It was it was tricky, and I think that like looking back on it, it would have been much better to just figure out how it could work in a more board game like setting. Um, and the games have mm. done this by now too. Um, there there's a lot of different variations on the roguelike card game genre, some of which intersect a little bit with RTS kind of stuff. Hmm. So, so you didn't finish your Yu-Gi-Oh! Starcraft game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also uh, that but was like fine. a huge, a huge learning, uh, learning right. step right. for me. Just uh, kind of following through with that for a while. Um, yeah. And then next, uh, you worked on Skyjunk, or is that right? Yeah, yeah. I have this game called Skyjunk, which I will finish sometime because I really like the concept. And it's kind of, uh, I mean, uh, I've kind of decided that the type of game I'm going to work on for the near future is just a roguelite kind of action game. Um, so that's what Skyjunk is. You're kind of a. Uh, I don't know how to describe it's like a little bit of a steampunk universe it's maybe a bit more like jet punk mm. or something I mean I, I yeah, think it's like the, a studio Ghibli kind of yeah yeah the, the visual aesthetic is inspired by like yeah the colors solar of punk studio or, Ghibli yeah. and solar punk stuff and uh, some people liken the character to uh, the characters from Attack on Titan because oh he yeah has... the omnidirectional whatever yeah yeah he has a grappling hook arm um which is not the same obviously as that series uh but it does feel a little bit steampunk which just doesn't sound i guess anything anything that has a hook shot or like a grappling hook or whatever now will be like yeah attack on titan yeah (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) it's like impossible Uh, it's not i i yeah i think this used to be more of a pet peeve for me that like uh if you had like, so I, I had, like, a character in Mystic Melee who's bald, right? And, like, people mm-hmm. would just say, like, oh, my God, that's that's One Punch Man. That's Saitama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what that is. You're but, like, like yeah, you know? I guess no. my guy is bald and uh, and has a cape. Uh, although, more recently, I've actually watched that series, and I think it's quite good. But, um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, it, it's funny that gamers will, like, attach, like, the most superficial similarity <laughs> between like a game character and some series like yeah. some media piece they really like and uh yeah say like these are the same thing um which used to kind of bother me like but i actually think it's a good thing um it's not mm-hmm. a bad thing to to remind people of stuff that they like obviously yeah <laughs> so. i mean as long as nobody thinks that you were like actually trying to copy exactly yeah or something yeah i mean being bald is like a pretty common life experience for (laughs) men so definitely like (laughs) and a lot of a lot of characters yeah yeah exactly anyway yeah yeah so um so i don't know um that game sky junk is uh it's very so like yeah, it's kind of um, it's a third-person shooter. Uh, I, I'd say it looks a bit like, or an, I'm aiming for it to play a bit like Risk of Rain, two, um, mm-hmm. the three D one. I don't know if you've played that before, but uh, I, have. I yeah, think I bought it's... it on your recommendation. 
Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I think that's kind of like the template for that game. Um, but with more of a focus on movement and also random map generation. So that's another running theme in some of the games I'm working yeah. on is I've noticed uh, that. Yeah. random map generation because I think it's fun. And also, I don't love uh, putting levels together by hand so so i'd rather rely on some of my programming skills and just like the the fun of trying to get procedural generation to work yeah um, i'm curious um I, I actually feel like i'd be interested in hearing about this like mm -hmm. I, I i mean i feel like i've picked up a few techniques from doing my own development some of them from you i'm curious if you like have discovered if there's anything in procedural generation related to map maps that you feel like are like really like themes like recurring themes or like um you know there's like this idea of like complexity from simple set of rules like is there anything like that like akin to that that you've like sort of found with procedural generation hmm. or like yeah like what would you if you had like a, a apprentice what would be like the first <laughs> the first two or three things that you would tell them about it. I think that, I mean, for procedural generation, I think it it, it really comes down to the game design. Uh, like, the point of procedural generation should be, I think, to make the game feel different to play each time you're playing on a new generated map, right? Like, if it's just the same gameplay, but, like, a slightly different-looking setting, I don't think it's really achieved its goal. Mm -hmm. Um so I think so the mechanics I, have to like yeah. work together to yeah. create like a unique like if you have procedural generation you should also have like power ups or something that makes it so that it's not just like the mountain is on the left instead of the right but something right. like I mean that that's probably what I think of first is uh is like a civilization style game um, so I really like the Civ series and I think that's part of the reason why. I like procedural generation is that those like you can play that game many times and it it feels different because of the layout of the terrain right. is different um and like yeah, I, sort I, of, I think uh... often about how it's like one of the proto roguelite kind of games in a way um mm -hmm. like there weren't many like if it, yeah it's like a run-based game i like run-based games um especially mm. when they do when they have procedural generation to make them feel different in each run um yeah i never thought of that so cool. <laughs> so i think that uh that that game does a great job of making the procedural generation matter through its game mechanics like the procedural generation itself is pretty simple right it's like some i mean it depends on right. how how well they're like trying to simulate plate tectonics or whatever but yeah i mean they literally give you ultimately like, options yeah. to, to trigger yourself so yeah yeah like, exactly yeah <laughs> ultimately it's like some layers of perlin noise um most of the time or like right. layers of right. perlin noise would introduce the same amount of variation that like a complex plate tectonics simulation would so in terms of like how much depth it adds to the gameplay um so yeah it's really the gameplay mechanics that like make that procedural generation work to make it feel different to play uh two games as 
the uh, Babylonians, um, even though you're right. like <laughs> you're playing the same. Ben's favorite uh, but, civilization. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what my favorite civilization is. Probably not the Babylonians, but uh, <laughs> I was always yes. more of a Gandhi myself. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't really into the whole like Gandhi meme where he nukes everybody. I think that's. Uh... I don't know. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he just has such a like scowl when you face him. He's just he says the meanest. Gandhi's such a meanie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I know I know what you mean though. Like, I, I think I think actually when I was trying to make, write a game earlier this year or last year, this was something that I sort of was trying to distill was like, like Minecraft is sort of similar too, right? Like even though it's randomly generated, you develop this like uh, feeling about the place. And I think civilization is like that too, where it's like, this is my island. Or like this is my part of the territory. Oh, like that's like where I started the first capital. Like like you develop like nostalgia or even uh, RimWorld too, uh, which I, one of my favorite games. Yeah, yeah. You like develop this like ongoing nostalgia with the like randomly, the random world. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That's like something that you've got to. That's very important to try to capture in procedural generation. I think that that requires you to think about like generating stuff on a macro scale and a micro scale. Like hmm. in a, in a Civ game, you have to think about like the shape of continents, maybe when you're generating them because that's probably what our minds might think of when we have a sense of place um right or like have a whole region of a continent covered in rainforest or desert like those are the kind of like if every tile was just randomized <laughs> completely <laughs> it, it would yeah it would look yeah. terrible and well, it would be very hard yeah. to have a sense of place so right. uh no matter like like so in, in sky junk for example uh like you see floating islands is what it generates um and some of them might have more structures on them and some of them might be more naturalistic uh some of them might have like more well-defined or like more memorable shapes um so like thinking about those macro details like i guess like so you might randomize a map and have like a setting that at a very high level says we're going to have like one very large landmass and then like two very small ones. Uh, that map will feel very different when that setting gets randomized to have like five tiny islands um, and mm. like a bunch of scattered debris. Like if your randomizer, if your maps can be that varied, um, that helps a lot to make you feel like there's like a sense of place. Um, in a procedurally generated game. Yeah. So that's where I would go with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm really I'm really excited to see what Sky Junk. The last time you showed me over a desktop share, screen share, Sky Junk level generation was pretty cool. Um, and it seems like you brought that into your current game. Um, yeah. My current which is based game, on which, Malibu, yeah, was right? Based based on a game called Malagree, which uh, I made for a, a game jam um, with a lot of other people. So credit to the team for their contributions with art and music and stuff. Um, but yeah, this is like a game 
uh, a sort of horror yeah. game where you get chased by this large monster uh, while you're trying to assemble some artifacts so that you can get through. It's kind of like a Metroidvania in the way that you have to like get some artifacts um, to bypass obstacles. Um, but it's very small because it's just like a game jam game. Um, yeah. So I'm kind so of really scary, just though. taking that aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's there really is this. Scary. <laughs> I definitely put a lot of thought into how to make the monster AI work well and also just like the visual and sound effects for the monster um, and stuff like screen shake. Like, I, I definitely tried to juice the interactions with this monster a lot because uh, they're very large. Um, like yeah. basically like stomping near you like the whole screen starts shaking and they're they're much faster than you um, so you kind of have to outwit them by going around corners and stuff um, so yeah that worked out very well and I'm going to try to carry some of that into this new game that I'm mostly basing off the aesthetic of Malagri um, with the aesthetic really just being like PSX maybe slightly more advanced uh like graphical style um kind of gothic yeah. uh so i'm thinking about calling that game ballistic arcana i'm not sure if you have any <laughs> thoughts on that name <laughs> think very, about it. yeah you can think about it very very working title but i i kind of want it to be descriptive um of it, it so it's more of like a standard like roguelite first person shooter this time um, but another like roguelite mm. action game. So that's like what I'm trying to get good at making because I feel like I know what makes those games fun. Um, so yeah, in this game, I mean, it's very, it's kind of similar to Sky Junk in a lot of ways. So it, I, I like pulled a lot of code from that project and also uh, I'm going to be able to backport a lot of this code to that project, hopefully. Um, so oh. yeah, you're like gathering you guns. Uh, just like a lot of the code for figuring out or for, for like roguelite um, kind of item collection and uh, interactions with enemies, like in an action game, um, oh, all that okay, kind of I stuff can hopefully be somewhat shared. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, um, this game is more of a, uh, like a first person shooter roguelite. Maybe a bit more like uh, Gunfire Reborn, if you've heard of that. I think I've told you to get mm. that. I'm not sure if you've played it yet. Yeah, um, I, that's right. I haven't played that. That's that's not the <laughs> uh, the Chinese one. Is it? it is. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a Hong Kong. Oh, it is. Okay. Um, okay, that's right. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a very fun game. It's like animals. You're playing yeah. as like cats and dogs and birds and turtles. Yeah, and, that uh, one gives me a, shooting real, a lot of guns. Um, Overwatch vibe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally, it must be definitely yeah. inspired by Overwatch. Um, I think it's also inspired by Borderlands. I think it's really close to Borderlands in a lot mm -hmm. of ways. Mm -hmm. That's uh, right. And that, like, That's the right. guns. Yeah, the game's pretty cool. The guns have, like, their own randomized attributes when you pick them up. So right, you're, right. like, kind of looking for that gun that has a nice combination of attributes and then kind of synergizing with your scrolls that you pick up you pick up these scrolls that give you your character different abilities like you know every time you reload you 
fire faster for three seconds or whatever. Right. Um, anyway, we don't have to talk yeah, about yeah. the game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, um, uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's a cool game, though. Yeah, it is. Uh, so... So I don't know. Yeah, so so I'm working on on that game. Um, we'll see. Hopefully, I'm gonna put out like a nice demo in October. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my goal at the cool. moment. But uh, okay. And the last game I remember uh, you worked on, besides the game we worked on together, was Drop Shoot. Right? Is that the only other game of recent uh, times? Yeah, I guess so. There there have been a few other Unity 3D oh, like okay. uh, game jam games in there, but um. But yeah, Dropshoot, I I'm really happy with that game. It's a uh, it's a 3D interpretation of Downwell, um, which was made for a game jam where you're really supposed to wear your inspiration on your sleeve. I'd say um, be inspired by another game, um, mm. or not necessarily another game, but just another thing. Um, so this game, I really tried to like just translate everything uh, from Downwell into 3D, including like the designs for the enemies and the guns, um, and try to kind of stay true to what made that game unique, which I think was the sort of weightiness to your character, uh, hmm. and the fact that you only use, those, the controls are really simple, like you jump and shoot were just one button. Um, so I carried that over to my game, and I also uh, didn't allow you to use the right analog stick as you normally would in a first-person shooter to be able to look. Mm. Um, so all the the camera work was done automatically depending on whether or not you were standing on ground or whether or not you were in the air or looking over a, a ledge. So, yeah. so that was like a fun challenge, and I enjoyed... Uh, yeah, how it turned out because I think it's pretty, pretty punchy like the original game. I was trying to go for that same style of like a little bit lo-fi uh, visual effects and sounds. Um, right. <clears throat> and uh, yeah, it feels pretty good to play and like you just kind of increase speed as you fall further in this well and you're uh, trying to hit enemies and get your combo higher um, in order to earn more energy and more health and more uh, gems so that you can spend on uh, on more <laughs> health and energy at shops, basically. Right, right. Um, Such is life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that helps you get a little bit further. So there's just like a little bit of strategy and really just the same strategy there is in, in Downwell. Um, right. And the creator of Downwell thought it was really cool. So that was nice. I know. I was just going to say um, <laughs> maybe you thought too, like that, I think yeah, my biggest tweet is is like talking about your game, <laughs> and like I think yesterday it got like another retweet like oh, six months later. It's yeah, like yeah. still going like making the rounds on Twitter. It's like people just <laughs> love people love Downwell and they love like I don't know. I think I think a lot of people agreed that it was like a true, a really true interpretation of Downwell into 3D. It was super cool. I'm really glad yeah that, that people felt that way. Um, <laughs> yeah yeah, so that was cool. People liked it on the Downwell Reddit too. I posted it there. Um, mm. Yeah, so that was like, it's cool to make a fan game sometimes because like, yeah, you get a lot of people to just care about what you made. <laughs> right. It's like so, one of the biggest, uh, easiest strategies on Twitter on how to like... Yeah, yeah. Get big is like just just like scratch someone else's back. 
yeah like, <laughs> lip service for someone yeah, that, that's true paid. that's true although i don't know if like i mean i think the twitter is nice for connections um and i should mm -hmm. use it a lot more than i do but i i don't think it's like important to get big on twitter in terms of like being a good or successful game dev <laughs> but, oh yeah yeah no i agree, I agree but yeah yeah um yeah so this is a game called uh 10 minutes to y2k which i made with a bunch of other people including um let me actually get the list to make sure i don't forget anybody or anyone's <laughs> like full full name Wait, were there more than two other people yeah yeah there is oh, okay. boz uh who approached me with like the idea for this game basically and he was really the um game designer uh and also the mm. ui designer uh cohill uh, his friend and some of these yeah these people are like some of them are part of Boz's like kind of regular game jam team as far as I understand mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> worked on the title screen and icons and uh, yeah and then uh, Haberworks uh, on the music and I know the three of them are working on this game uh, together called Twilight Tower um, which I think you've right. played as well which is very cool um, yeah I recommend cool. checking yeah. that out uh, and uh, and then Edward Newton uh, worked on some additional programming uh, during the game jam, That's and right. John DeLeon worked on sound effects. Um, so yeah, this game is like a. Let me see if I can stream it. Yes. Do you see the game? I, I see it. Very okay. Cool. <laughs> so yeah, this is Cohill's uh, illustration. Um, so the game is uh, what is the genre called? It's like a vampire survivors like game, um, mm -hmm. which ha the genre has a name now. I think it might be like Idle Survivor or something. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's right. Imagine but... creating a game that creates its own genre. Or like yeah i mean it wasn't the first like... there, there was like a an iphone or like a, a mobile game that was very similar that had been around for quite a while and i'm sure that game was similar to other games um i think so yeah it's like a vampire survivors idle uh surviving so idle survivor game um i think is what they're calling it now but uh yeah this hmm. game spawned like a whole little genre of fairly cheap games on steam um where you're running around a 2d plane uh with abilities or weapons that fire automatically uh on some kind of cooldown usually um and it's a great type of game to play as a uh as a streamer i think which is a big part of its success like people can play mm -hmm. the game while talking to their audience and stuff because you don't have to, there's not a lot of really time sensitive inputs. Um, although yeah. it does get like pretty difficult at some parts of the game, but it's, uh, doesn't take quite as much attention to play. And yet it's got this casino like aspect to its visuals and sounds, <laughs> which is, I don't know if you read this, like the, the de developer of um, vampire survivors, originally worked as a developer for like casino games um 
No, I didn't know that. So he applied some wow. of his knowledge from that field to uh, vampire survivors and how to make it juicy and fun. And like when you get a chest in that game, mm-hmm. like the whole screen blows up with confetti and stuff. So, um, yeah. Well, that's a good place to learn that skill. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> that's all you gotta do is add loot boxes and you're good. <laughs> yeah. Got a gambling game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so yeah, this game is named uh, 10 Minutes to Y2K, which is sort of a cheeky reference to this game called 20 Minutes Till Dawn, I believe, which I haven't played. Uh, I know Boz had played it. Um, and it's like another it's a, another take on Vampire Survivors that has been uh, pretty popular. Um, hmm. So this screens, these screens are describing our upgrade system. Um, and it's a little complicated. I'll explain it to you a little bit on this screen. Um, so we made this game originally for the GMTK jam, which had a theme of, uh, what was it called? Roll the die or roll the dice, <laughs> I think. Mm-hmm. So our game was actually originally named defrag.die. Um, and we decided to change it to something that was like a little bit uh, more descriptive and less tied to the game jam <laughs> afterwards. But um, hmm. yeah, so we do like this mechanic that, and Boz came up with this way to use the dice to allocate your weapons and upgrades. Right. So I like um, it a lot. Yeah, it's a cool mechanic. Yeah, it's uh, it's very, it like looks a little bit overwhelming at first which i think is the only downside is that this screen the first time you look at it is mm. like what the hell is going on um right that's but those, what I thought as well <laughs> those tutorial those tutorial images help helped a lot uh and uh, yeah. i we i wasn't really showing them but um yeah they uh it's pretty simple once you figure it out you have like these three die at the bottom three dice at the bottom to allocate and you're trying to figure out like which weapon you want and then which upgrade you want. And some of the upgrades clearly synergize with the weapons. Um, and the weapons also synergize with each other in certain ways, uh, which you kind of just have to figure out through playing the game. Um, so let's see, I'm going to try a fairly simple strategy to start out with um, and use this overclock, which is kind of the simplest um, one of the simpler weapons it just fires bullets in front of you <laughs> so it's kind of like mm. a basic basic weapon for this time type of game um, and I'll use my number two die because that one currently is not useful at all on the upgrade side so on the weapon side like you can use any dice uh, you want into these slots and you just have to get enough dice in there to add up to the cost of right. the upgrade so at the start everything is costs two. At least. So yeah, yeah, yeah. At least so, kind of an advanced mechanic is later in the game when it costs like ten or something, you can throw in a uh, multiple die to get it that turn, or you can like throw in an extra die right. that you have to save up for getting that in a later turn. Um, so anyway, I'll grab overclock, and then already I have. Uh, dies for six and three so i could choose between these two upgrades um and both of these synergize with overclock so that's like why i would consider taking that from my weapon side um 
I'm just going to take recursion here, which uh, increases the number of pierce, and this third die won't be necessary to use. So I've got a question. Um, you can yeah, you can keep playing. What? Um, how does like what was the? Um, it seemed like the map was infinite. Or uh, it's, it's, not? it's not actually. <laughs> it's like it's an arena. Uh, okay, I guess I just couldn't. Uh, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, it takes so some time. How does the um, how does the enemy spawning work? Because I noticed like different waves had like seemed like they had different patterns. Yes, uh, there's a bunch of different patterns that can spawn. Actually, there's really not that many patterns. Um, there's like large clusters of enemies. There is enemies that slowly trickle in from basically the borders of your screen mm. over time. Um, mm. I'm just going to quickly grab stuff here so we can show people what the game actually looks like. Um, and there's a, a wave that like spawns people, spawns enemies like surrounding you, basically. Um, and you, you'll see that later. Uh, the spawn routines, yeah, they're, they're pretty simple, but like they, they do make sure to not spawn in too many enemies at the same frame uh, to make sure it doesn't like get slowed mm, down. I see. Um, so, so the let's say you have some clusters. Like, how do you do? You just pick a few random points that are with, uh, like, above some distance from the player, and just spawn like X number into each of those, or like, is it like a noise function? Like, how does that work? Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 like choosing random points basically that are a certain distance away. Um, okay. It's obviously it uses uh random function to like just throw some random uh floats into sine and cosine or something i forget to uh to choose where okay. to around the circle to spawn things but uh yeah it's pretty simple um and then the um this this terrain um the terrain is with I per noticed it's like a hexagonal oh yeah yeah okay um yeah, the, the hexagon math I figured out from this website. Uh, oh, what's it called? Red Blob Games. You might have seen this before, or maybe not. Okay. Um, but it's a uh, pretty great website for like showing you what the uh, the math behind <laughs> kind of a hexa hexagonal grid is like. Um, so I just use my. Did you, my did you actually need? Times. To, to a use. hexagonal grid or did you just like uh like oh. stagger them like like because i can imagine like one way of doing hexagonal would be to just like uh it seems like there's like one layer that's sort of like at the, there's like one line and then there's like one line of hexagons that are like sort of just um offset from the first line and then like back to the original orientation. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, uh, it is a real hexagon. Uh, I, I guess think. I might not have okay, needed okay. to do that um, because we didn't end up using a lot of the properties of hexagonal grids and like the actual gameplay logic. Um, right. I was gonna say like there is if there's like yeah. civilization. You definitely want to <laughs> yeah exactly invest in that. But there there is one um, <laughs> there is one uh, ability which targets hexagons directly. Uh, so it kind of makes use of the oh. hexagonal grid, 
but it was I see, I see. it was more of a like I wanted the visual style, and in some ways it was easier to generate the map by having um, mm -hmm. the actual math for like making a hexagonal grid and placing the the different. Um, yeah. So, what yeah. is like? How is your grid represented? Like, what is? How do you determine? Well, let's say you want to add this noise to like uh, increase and decrease the height of certain tiles. Like, how do you? How does that work? Um, it's just an array. <laughs> so, uh, an array of like which tiles are filled and which ones are not, basically. Or, yeah, because those are the only types of tiles. Um, so which ones are filled and which or like ones which are... ones are, are terrain um or actually no sorry it's it's i'm not even, it's not even that complicated it's just a height array um it's just like how tall okay. is each tile so it's it's 2d it's not like a 3d hexagonal thing um so so the, there's an you said there's like a lesser array so at the beginning is like the bottom left tile and then so the last element is like the top right or Yes, I believe so. Um, something like okay. that. I mean, there, there's like a, like, yeah, I don't remember all the specifics of how okay, okay, that's fine, the, that's the fine. math I'm just, works. I'm just really curious. Cause it's pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, I think it actually works on a, it's like a 2D system where like from, from two numbers, you can like uh, figure out what the third number is in a hex coordinate system. Um, Hmm. So there, there's a few different ways to, to do this, I guess. Okay, um, okay. But yeah, I'm gonna keep upgrading. And then, um, so uh, so like, but yeah, that, another question I had. I, I, well, like... one one more thing on the map. Um, oh, sorry. So so the generation of that gets gets baked. Uh, so it's not like a whole lot of individual game objects, because uh, that would be pretty bad for performance, especially because I'm uh, mm -hmm. eventually going to be really pushing the number of enemies on screen. So. Uh, like segments of the map get baked into larger meshes. Um, uh, and it's nice to bake segments instead of the whole map because then some of them can be uh, thrown out by the camera if they're off screen. Um, so yeah, so like the map, originally we were thinking like it might be cool to have the map change shape or move and stuff. Um, but ultimately I decided it was better to uh to have it um get baked and not really be able to move very much i see just for so when you say yeah it's baked do you mean like after you've generated it you notice that there's like a bunch of tiles that are all flat and so you group them together into one mesh or is it more like you each like the map is actually made up of like larger pieces and they're all like one, each of them is like a mesh that you've like pre yes. pre-generated before you even played the game. Uh, no, they're, they're not pre-generated before I play. Um, but when, after the map is generated, it takes all the tiles that are within a certain range of each other, like just on the map grid and bakes those meshes into one mesh. Um, okay. and into one object. So, uh, in fact, I, I can actually show you really easily because I have. Yeah, it. I'm actually. I've never. I have the game open here. Like mesh, com mesh combining is like not something that I have done before. So. Yeah, it's a very useful feature. I was doing it for 
some of my other procedurally generated games. So I guess I was familiar. Um, so this doesn't muck with the uh, material assignments, right? This is just assigning them all to like one game object as if you had like imported it from Blender or something. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, you can assign them okay, any okay. material you want to the meshes once you bake them. Um, so, like, this is what a whole yeah, map right. would look like. Um, it is, in fact, a, a mm. large hexagon, <laughs> the the shape of the <laughs> of the arena itself. Um, Very beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can see when I click on this, this is this has been baked into shapes like this. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so I. How does up... how do you choose? Is that just like based on the hexagonal yeah, grid it's, system? Yeah, it's just based on the the grid system. Um, okay. Okay. So it's just anything that's like yeah near each other in the grid. I, I, I'm sure that like if we found a yeah, you can see there's like a sort of method to its madness. Mm, um, probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. 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 They're like generally co-located. I get it. Yeah. I actually forget what um, what exactly I did. It would be pretty simple to actually figure that out. Um, But yeah, I was even originally trying to use graphics draw mesh to like draw them all, uh, mm. with without game objects at all, but um, that wasn't working for some reason, and I don't remember why. <laughs> like it was working, I didn't even but know that was an option. it was working, but there was some That's drawback cool. that I was not happy with. Um, I think it just wasn't also like particularly performant. I think I probably would have needed to cull them manually, based like figuring out which ones were in the mm. camera. And this was just way easier. Oh, I think a big part of it also was that I actually want to use these as colliders. Um, like these are huh. mesh colliders. Uh, <clears throat> they they don't move, so they're pretty performant. But um, it, yeah, like I, I wanted the mesh for for collision as well as for for drawing. Hmm. Um, and then this uh, underneath them is just like one quad with a shader on it. Like what is the uh, what is the the pit ah, the, of despair uh, yes, between the, all these hexagons? <laughs> call it the cyber sea. Um, so that one actually oh, that very one cool. that one actually is using uh, <laughs> graphics draw mesh. So I do use that because I don't need oh, I don't okay. need any collision um, draw mesh okay. instance. In fact, so it's drawing like a ton of quads um, because oh nice you I believe it is. Unless I'm forgetting something, but uh, yeah, it's just a ton of quads. Um, so like, they need to move on the the z-axis. Let me. Oh, yeah. I see. I see. So they move like like a C. Um, oh, okay. So we do that beautiful yeah to, <laughs> that's why it needs to have some geometry um and uh yeah that makes sense i think it's pretty yeah, yeah. and it, it works with uh it is it is with dramish instance which makes it pretty quick um yeah mm. so let me go back to this game and so yeah yeah the the um the weapons you have there's like there's some amount of dithering i noticed yeah um i think there's like a style that you've sort of developed over time with like drop shoot and Sky chunk a little bit, maybe. Um, yeah, it's definitely like, a, a technique I developed there. But what's weird, the uh, the reason I chose to do that in this game was because of the the cyber sea. Um, 
because the cyber sea is hmm. transparent and when you try to draw two transparent things at the same time the game engine doesn't know which one is actually on top um it just draws all transparent hmm. things at the same time there's no depth uh i don't fully understand yeah. how graphics pipeline works but <clears throat> the idea is like you, you might end up with your with the ocean behind the like transparent visual effect um yeah so that like reminds me of uh do you remember in uh school we'd watch videos on like quantum like introducing us to like quantum physics and be like if you run against a wall you might end up in a different country or something like, what? <laughs> i don't remember this at all <laughs> sounds... okay i don't i don't remember where i saw this but it was like it's it's like sometimes it's weird stuff happens because quantum energy I don't know. It's like what? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, maybe it's the same thing, but I don't yeah. think so. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah, uh, I, I assume it has to do with like how they're blended together, blending modes or something. Yeah, I, I assume it knows like the depth of each of each. Uh, I don't think fragment. it does actually. The shader knows like the depth, so oh, it does. I don't think okay, it does on the transparent problem. patch. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem. Um, okay. So. All right. Never mind. Yeah. So, so like, I originally I did have more. I, I mostly had alpha transparency for the visual effects, uh, but they kept mm. on getting like going behind the ocean sometimes, not all the time. Oh, I see. Okay, um, okay. I guess I was wrong. So yeah, I uh, oh, this is really good. More projectiles, and then I want to roll something higher than a two so I can get this. Um, so, so yeah, so I adopted this. Um, dithering technique which is uh what's it called like an alpha cutout um mm. which i learned is sometimes more resource intensive than transparency it kind of depends on a few things um you think it would be like i often hear that it's just straight up better but i think for sky junk i was trying a thing where the shaders might always be cutting out uh which ended up being extremely bad for performance because they needed to basically check behind them every time um, or like draw everything like you couldn't guarantee that something was occluded um sorry um what is so you so like you're talking about doing some kind of alpha clipping or something yeah or... actually I'll, I'll show you the shader <laughs> that should be easier okay yeah i'm uh, kind of curious i guess i didn't follow that completely yeah um so obviously these shaders are very messy because I made these for a game jam. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if they weren't made for a game jam, they'd yeah, be they'd be messy. pristine. <laughs> let's see. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Let's see. Uh, my shader for the effects common shaders. So you you mentioned some technique. What do I use or something or so like the bullets are using fx masks which is using fx particle yes so i'll show you it's pretty simple on this one um so like uh for the graph settings oh wait Hmm. I feel like this is not the right one. 
So I thought I was using alpha clip threshold, um, but I'm apparently not using that. <laughs> yeah, it looks like these are just transparent. Yeah, it looks like these are just regular transparent effects. Uh, but clearly in the game, they're not. So what did I click on the wrong thing? Yeah. Here? I think I probably did click on the wrong thing. Uh, okay. Yeah, so the player bullet is using this one. Oh, this one's got groups. You know, that must be important. Yeah, yeah. So this is the, the technique. It's very simple. Uh, you're throwing a dither node into the alpha clip threshold. Um, and okay. I, unfortunately, I, you can't really preview it here. Um, but basically, I'm taking the minimum of like the darkness of the, the color. Um, Yes, mm. I'm switching this to HSV, so like the value. I'm taking the minimum of that and the alpha of the vertex color of the effect. Um, and taking one minus of that, throwing it into like the dither node. So basically like the, the effect of that, the dither node is, is kind of similar to multiplying your value by like a screen of pixels that are dithered, so like every that's right it's like that dither pattern where it's probably like an eight by eight yeah it's like the x's grid right yeah yeah it looks like or a lot something. of x's it, that is what it looks yeah. like um yeah so it has the effect of like fading out pixels um like every couple of steps um so as it gets darker like more pixels will be below the alpha clip threshold or below this alpha value and they'll just be ignored. Mm. Um, so even though this is going to be an opaque graph type, um, some of the mm -hmm. pixels will be alpha clipped out. So that's how you achieve this kind of dither Sorry, look. Can you, yeah. can you uh, explain to me, like, what's the big idea? I guess I didn't like quite follow. Like, why are you taking the minimum of... Oh, like, what, uh, are, what is the significance of these colors coming in? I guess the significance is just that um, we have our... I have like a sample texture to kind of determine the mm -hmm. look of the effect. Um, like, for example, I have like some, uh, like, like this kind of thing. <laughs> it's kind of silly. It's a very simple, okay. very simple texture. Uh, but like as this gets darker, I also want it to potentially fade out quicker. Um, I so I want to take I like the lightness of the pixel texture, and mm -hmm. as that gets darker, I want it to fade out quicker. Quicker. The other case in which I want it to fade out quicker is when the vertex color alpha is going towards zero, because that's what you control in your particle effect. So. Oh, okay. Like okay. my particle effects for this weapon is going to have color over lifetime, and the color over lifetime alpha is zero at the end. Okay. Um, so that's just something you control uh, through. A, like a, you have like a curve that. Yes. Changes over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so the gradient uh, in the or I guess in the particle you, system, I, yeah. I want to be able to use that to control the alpha. So that's why uh, I throw the vertex color in here. Um, okay. 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 The minimum got it. Okay, yeah. Okay. That yeah. Makes more sense. Um, so I don't know if. So what like, you said that you, yeah. you're looking at the lightness mm -hmm. of the values to determine this 
alpha clipping, like what this color ramp that you showed me with the green and black, like what is the does does the do those colors have any significance, or is it just like the basically the grayscale colors that matter most? I think that in this case, I'm using the grayscale colors. Uh, those like okay. yeah, those textures are probably a remnant of like some other game project, like some texture that was very oh, okay. similar that I pulled in to to use for this game jam. Um, okay, okay. But it's like sometimes I I would use the actual color from the texture. Um, in this case, I'm multiplying the texture color by the vertex color. So uh, I don't know what I ended mm -hmm. up using. It depends on what texture I have uh, applied here in player bullet. Um, so I use this texture, which and... is like this bullet gradient. So you can clearly see okay. this is like the color of the bullets, right, um, mm. in the game like these uh these yellow bullets that you'll see yeah. in a second. Can you bring up the Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Sorry, bring up what? No, I was going to say bring up the bullet mesh, but you can also show in the game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if the the stream quality is really going to be able to show the dithering. Dithering is quite uh obviously it's destroyed by <laughs> video compression uh when yeah, it's like yeah. pixel perfect. But um But yeah, I like the the look of it. Uh, here we've got like a big wave of dudes surrounding you. Um, right. So this one, this like deployment pattern or this spawn pattern is like just a circle. This is not from the edge of the game map, is it? No, it's not. It's a circle around, yeah, centered around the player. Okay. okay. Got it. So yeah, I've got, I've got a couple more questions about shaders okay. in your game if you're I'm willing to respond. Yeah, um, we'll see how much I remember. Yeah, so like the... Yeah, the so the guys flash white. Is that like an extra material you added, or is that like a parameter in the um, the shader that you can like tweak in code? It is a parameter for the shader. Yes, for the shader on the enemies. Okay. Um, so just for that instance of the material, you yes. So I use I actually use Dutween, I think for you that. Just set the... Does Dutween can change the material parameter over a few frames? Which I don't know if that's the most efficient way That's to do cool. it but it worked fine i never noticed it yeah it seems to work too okay bad. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um okay cool and then the um these little orbs it looks like they're just like the poly the try the quads or whatever tries like blown out on the normal is that right or is there something more to it uh which orbs? i guess i also see like oh oh, like oh a, those things. yeah like the enemies like, um yeah they are uh they're pretty much modeled like that. They, yeah, I, uh, I, I modeled right. like a, an icosphere, and then I increased the, I like, in, basically increased the copied it, increased the scale, and then uh, separated them, and made each triangle smaller. Okay. <laughs> actually, in order to get this is effect. There, oh, that that makes sense. But but there is yeah, um. That makes sense. I think if I remember correctly, they have two materials on them. And I, I feel like this effect really didn't come through in games, so it probably wasn't worth spending much time on. But uh, the, there's a material that kind of increases and decreases the size of the outer triangles a little bit through through a shader. Mm. Um, so like, yeah, we've got this virus. It looks like this. Um, 
Oh, it looks much cooler up front or up close. Yeah, yeah, it does look pretty cool. I mean, you can, so you there's can like sort a of few, see some of the detail that you put into it. Yeah, there's a few layers of triangles, and it does have this enlarged shader. Um, maybe you can see it in the preview here, like when I slowly turn it so that it refreshes. Um, it changes size oh, occasionally, cool. but yeah, yeah, that's cool. Not a that's lot. cool. You're right. I didn't notice that in the game. Yeah, yeah. You can see it's changing cool. size just a bit. Um, I don't know if I should have yeah. emphasized that more, but I think it's fine. Um, there's already a lot of stuff going on here. Yeah. Although maybe it's one of those things that's kind of like invisible, maybe and then if you like removed it, maybe I would be like, the editors are kind of like yeah, this or something. yeah. You never really know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I don't know if this is something that you focused on more or Boz or whomever yeah. on the team. What is like, so you had this idea or like Boz had this idea or someone had the idea for like, oh, let's make a game where you use like, you're always attacking and you use dice to upgrade. Like, how did you, mm -hmm. what was your idea for like, you like, how did you get ideas for like how to change it or like, You'd play the game, I assume, and be like, oh, this... Yeah. Like, yeah, what was your process for, like, ch tweaking the game? Uh, we had a lot of... We definitely, um, like, playtested it a lot. That was, like... I don't know if I would say contentious, but we, uh, <laughs> we, we spent, like, a lot of time going back and forth over how difficult the game should be, I think. Um, hmm. I definitely wanted it to be too hard. Uh, like, I, this is probably a much easier version of the game than what it was originally which i think is really really mm. better um like i think you said that you beat it on your first try uh in this current version which i think <laughs> yeah. is fine like because you kind of i think i got lucky though yeah you might have gotten yeah. lucky you might have kind of known what the game was about which probably helped um so yeah uh i kind of intuited that it made sense to upgrade over get new level one abilities right right right, right. Yeah, I think that's something that most people who would play this that. kind of game would get. Um, but right, you also right, have to, right. like, especially in the beginning, there's some, like, finesse to moving around. Uh, I really like that this is kind mm. of a, a movement game. Have you have you heard that term before? <laughs> not not <laughs> that that's, that? like, a type of game that people say. <laughs> but uh, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, the idea that... Um, you're you're making these like small movements and like just barely maneuvering around enemies uh i think that's kind of what the concept is so mm. yeah i think it's probably a, a thing that you feel like you're doing a lot during uh what are those games like shoot 'em up games um but yeah like you have a, a very fine analog control yeah, actually uh... of your character yeah there was, there was, when I played, I think it was Risk of Rain 1, actually. Oh, yeah. I think I got to a point where, like, I just had to move around the map and people would just die. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, because I just had someone, like, auto, like, rocket shoot. Or maybe I just had to hold down fire and they were just, like, rocket shooting off and killing everything. Right, right. Uh, or maybe I had, like, drones. I forget what it was, but, like, yeah. You, I, I sort of know the vibe you mean. Like, you just have to, like, be present. You don't have to really like. <laughs> it's not like you're having like precision, uh, precision like timing and and right. positioning of necessarily. Which is what makes the, it a great game uh, for for streaming, I guess. Um, I mean, I think movement is yeah, really referring yeah. to like 
you're just barely getting around the enemies but also that's like the best way to play um is I see, is I see, to be like really close to the enemies you're just like uh cutting through like a gap into like and like two groups of enemies um just barely making it through and like mm. that's satisfying and also rewarding um in games like this so mm. uh and that like you get more experience and stuff if you can get close to the enemies and get more of your attacks to hit them so this is the end of the game it's the final final wave kind of thing uh what i do now does not matter mm. there's literally one second left in the game <laughs> <laughs> And system restore. You can beat your own game. Yeah, <laughs> using the easiest strategy. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really felt like the Y two K vibe was good, and like the the upgrade names. I feel like were kind of that like like two thousands like wow yeah. like, technology is cool yeah. kind of like like well like you can jump into cyberspace. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like green screen, like low low resolution green screen, like. Uh, PSA, like PBS or something right. like I don't know, just like yeah, like low budget 3D. Uh, yeah, like, that's absolutely what we were going for. I, I feel like there were some ways in which we hit it, some ways in which we didn't. Um, like I probably should have made the actual shaders for the terrain and the ocean be like simpler if I really wanted to hit uh, that PSX and like hmm. turn of the 21st century sort of feel. But um, but yeah, the names were great. Uh, I didn't come up with very many of those. Those were, uh, yeah, my team did a really good job with the names. Um, mm. The character animation is nice too, or just like the character. Thanks. Look, I think is really good. Yeah, actually, I want to show you the character because I. She sort of just. I'm very happy yeah. with them. Um, they just sort of like run in a very like dollish, like really cute, like I don't know, uh, like like. Hansel and Gretel, not Hansel, Hansel and Gretel. Yeah, just like a fairy tale kind of like, <laughs> like tra la 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 kind of like, I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um. As one does. Yeah, this is like a good example of kind of the graphic style I like to try to make. Um, yeah, I definitely spent a lot of time on the animations for this some of this was done after the jam uh, so i had some more time i just love the right. slamming the keyboard with your block hands kind of thing <laughs> yeah, i saw that too yeah because yeah. uh yeah. I, I it reminds me of like the csi like fake right. hacker kind of stuff i think specifically i was inspired by um right. uh what's it called uh ape escape there's like when you complete a level you see this cinematic where like the professor's uh helper is like slamming on the keyboard with her huge block hands even bigger than these block hands nice. <laughs> very psx yeah it's very psx -y. i think it's very funny so this is like i decided that would be how how she's like attacking is that she's entering program commands yeah. in her program wheel thing <laughs> right yeah hula hoop yeah or something yeah 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 uh yeah someone mentioned cool. that it... and the headphones are nice or yeah 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 i was probably inspired by like uh jessa radio or something for the headphones but uh uh yeah 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 another one of my favorite games yeah i can see the pixel uh pixel art style yeah 3d pixel art style like on the face and the pants and yeah, yeah i didn't like cool. have time to put too much detail into the pixel art for the body um 
but I think it works out pretty well. I just like the crisp lines, I guess. Yeah. Um, although in Blender here, it kind of like looks a little bit weird. I don't know why. In in motion, it like for some reason Blender blurs stuff a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, I was really happy with those animations. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna cool. do a uh, so like well, one of the other strategies in this game. There's like kind of three main strategies you can do. Um, in terms of like mm -hmm. upgrades and weapons that synergize with each other. Another one is uh, this delete strategy, which is much more active than most of these games do. Oh yeah, I never tried that one. Yeah, so I never yeah. really talked about like <laughs> the big thing that we did differently in this game that most uh, survivors like games don't do is there's a jump button. So like you don't just have your mm -hmm. movement, you also can jump which kind of helps you uh, helps with like your Evade. your movement and yeah. evasion um, a lot and it also offers you a few different ways to attack um, so like this attack triggers when you press the jump button again in the air you slam down and hit things and it's uh, scaled significantly by how high you come down from um uh, so you're trying to synergize with like jump height upgrades which can be helpful anyway just to avoid stuff um but they're specifically pretty helpful here and uh and then we've also got this cloud upgrade which you can see like these clouds if i hold a after i jump i hover around right. which is super useful for right. avoiding enemies but also in the early game it can deal a lot of damage too um the clouds kind of fall down and, and kill stuff beneath them. Um, so, like, it's kind of the ideal thing to pair with delete so you can, like, position yourself over the ideal location to slam down on things. Um, so, yeah, this is, like, another strategy in the game. Hmm. So I was happy that, like, we could kind of give the player different ways to play. And some of the strategies are better or worse depending on the map layout so that was i'm glad that that kind of worked out interesting yeah so do you have any other questions yeah actually something i forgot to ask um i sort of figured it out you showed me the model of the virus yeah yeah the little orb yeah um what about the like the lines on the cyber sea and the hexagons is that like a separate material you added or is that like gaps in the the faces uh they're actually or... just the texture um of okay. the uh that that's on the models so there's like a texture for the cyber sea that basically has like a border around the edge um it's like uh, a square okay, with okay. a border and then that square with the border is just repeated on the on each like quad essentially of the sea if that makes any sense so is there is there like a part of the sea that is fed from some uh, like more procedural aspect and part of it is also from the texture or? Uh, hmm, not exactly sure what you mean. I mean, I think that the sea is like, it's like a, this, it's actually not a quad now that I'm remembering. It's like more of a, uh, it's like a square that has one vertex in the middle. Um, hmm. But I use those UVs, like I use the UVs I set up in Blender to repeat this quad like over, or this like this very simple mesh 
over um over the entire map and then like the only reason what i mean they're is, not like really it, connected. it seems yeah. like <clears throat> it seems like uh the cyber sea has like a quality that's like big like a big noise texture or some or big noise function right um not for the not for the not for the vertex displacement but for the for like the look of the the color like what is how does that fit in with the border from the texture that's what i'm yeah i get it um so the the color of the um yeah like the the repeating noise kind of thing is like a world space noise function in the shader um and that gets mixed with the texture that's following the uvs of the mesh okay yeah that's what i was yeah so i think it's something like um like the actual texture is probably like a black square with a white border and the white border Mm. it like multiplies this pink color on the edges yeah um and the black part just uses like the world space noise kind of function to get that color um got it got it but it's more complicated like the the more complicated thing about it is um you might see there's this like you can see the uh you can see through it to the hexes behind right. it um right that's a uh so there's some like transparency or something yeah it's like a transparency thing uh it's actually so it, it has to be a transparency shader of course because it has to be done uh after all the other geometry is like all the opaque geometry for the level is drawn but it um it's one of those uh i forget what it's called exactly it like copies the the buffer and uh bends mm. it so like remember uh we were looking at like an explosion shader and how that would uh how that would um bend the the look of the pixels behind it it does the same thing here mm. um so it's got like the the pixels of these hexagons um and then it bends it depending on like you can see there's like a little bit of distortion around the edges of the uh of the water here right that's cool (laughs) yeah so that's why that's like part of the reason why i had to have uh, my other effects in this game be not transparent um i see i see yeah that's an interesting constraint yeah thank you for being interviewed by me (laughs) because i'm so great (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) all right Well, uh, I will talk to you later then.